0: And uh, doing more than looking at it, we are learning from it. And I hope if we're doing more than learning from it, we're actually following Jesus in the ways we see him interacting out here in this wilderness space, right? It's not just an intellectual exercise. Um, we learn to follow Jesus by hearing uh, what it is that happened to Jesus, the, the way he interacted with life. So uh, lean into these times, uh, make it more than an intellectual ascent. A um, couple quick things. We are looking for space on the northwest side. This is going to be, I hope this is something we are announcing for the rest of our earthly lives. <clears throat> Um, but we are not swinging for the fences anymore. Uh, that pop fly got caught in the warning track and we're done with that. We're just trying to hit a single here. We're going to try to find 10,000 square feet by the end of the year and get it ready so that we can, uh, have that site over there. Good to go. So if you know of, uh, uh an opportunity or something that kind of fits that, that parameter, um, uh, we'd love to hear about it. Um, and as always, um, your, faithful giving makes everything we do possible, please be attentive to that. If you are responding to God uh, with your giving the way he's led you, we're going to be fine. That's, that's really all it takes is what God has led you to do, you do, and we'll be good. So um, thank you for your ongoing continued support. Okay, so uh, where are we in this uh, study of the book of Mark? Well, we're still in chapter one in week five. So at this rate, 16 chapters will be done uh, sometime in the middle of 2023, sometime like that. Um, Maybe we'll pick up the pace here eventually. Uh, But part of the reason we're stalled out in Mark 1 was we're looking at this time where Jesus went out into the wilderness, and essentially Mark says that's what happened. He says Jesus was led out into the wilderness by the Spirit, (laughs) and he moves on. Matthew gives more color. So we're looking at Matthew chapter 4. Um, uh, for more of what happened in this space. What is it? What's going on? What are we seeing? What we're seeing is what Jesus experienced, um, really, in in the face of evil, are threats to his faith, threats to his calling and his vocation, impediments, to his own formation um, as the Messiah. And we're seeing, like I said, a, a, not, just a, not just what happened intellectually, but we're, we're building a, a model or a method for a life of faith and transformation. What, what we see in Jesus, we can put into play in our own lives and be a part of the same kind of process, the same kind of transformation. Uh, there, there will come a day when the believer is face to face with Jesus. When we have um, what to quote Shakespeare, right? Shaken loose the, the mortal coil. <laughs> we will then be complete and whole. In this lifetime, we are exercising faith, and in the process of exercising faith, We find ourselves growing into the person that God intends for us to be, ultimately. We are in the midst of that process. And evil is trying to quell that, to quench that, to kill that process. And this is what we see Jesus doing. He is battling evil. And evil is trying to steal his purpose and his identity. This is what we see. We're answering the question that we have been answering since we bumped into it in Romans chapter 5 many, many months ago. This idea that we not only glory in God, but we glory in our sufferings. Uh, completely antithetical to what we would typically want to do in life, but it says, we, you know, James says we, we, take, we take pleasure and we enjoy in our trials. We are understanding Like Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5 that life is a struggle but in the midst of that struggle we experience the spirit of God enforcing us, reinforcing us, persevering us, building our character and leading us to a hope beyond this world that we can arrive at no other way. The, The pathway to hope in this life, is struggle. It is a battle. That's how we arrive there. We, we have this hope deep within us for hope. <laughs> we have this longing, rather, for hope. And we want to go right to it. And Scripture tells us again and again, and Jesus shows us, Jesus, the Messiah, struggling all the stuff of life in order to find his way to who he is and what his calling is. We have to remember some things contextually. Why is Jesus in the wilderness in the first place? Did evil seduce him out into the wilderness? No, he was driven there by the very same Spirit of God that descended on him like a dove in his baptism, pushed him into the wilderness, into the space of evil. And God is leveraging, these are things that are tough to get our heads around. God is leveraging evil for good. This is where we are. Jesus was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness, into the thick of aloneness and hunger and struggle and temptation. But it's a test. It's a test. Tests tell us what we know and who we are. Right? They reveal the truth. That's what a test does. There's a set of weights on the ground and you go, to, you go to pick them up and you now know how strong you are or not. This is a test. It reveals, it is revealing who Jesus is and the test of life reveals who we are. This is what's going on. What have we learned? Test number one. We need to resist the all-consuming appetites that bombard our lives. It is arguable that this entire life creates a hunger, and then all within the life is designed to meet that hunger, whatever it is. Almost everything we do is driven by some appetite, some sense of deficit, some sense of longing, something that we don't have. And then Everybody in the world's trying to meet that need. And if they can get a dollar while they do it, that even better, right? Jesus teaches us, catch this. This is almost beyond the scope of capacity for the American mind. Jesus teaches us to live with a certain degree of hunger. Uh, I used to snack quite a bit at night. I, I am fortunate benefactor of a very fast metabolism so you can't tell but <clears throat> I eat in my own accord pretty poorly between like ten and midnight. And you know the reason I do it? You know the reason I eat? Because I'm hungry. It's the only reason. I don't need any food. I'm about to go to sleep. I don't need any food. I'm just gonna lay there in a sort of an unconscious state for six seven hours. I eat because I'm hungry. And there's food right there. Do, do you know why we buy things? Because we don't have them. <laughs> and I can click that button, and it'll show up tomorrow. Do you know why we uh, peruse and, and, and look and search online for... Um, uh, the ability to view impure things. Because we want something and we can get it. The, the world is a space where whatever the appetite is, you can now get it fulfilled. Temporarily, of course. To whatever degree you want. You can overeat anything. Anything. Jesus says, live with some hunger. It's part of life. Just be hungry. That's almost crazy to think about. Until I was willing to just be hungry at night, I wouldn't stop eating. But now it's just a part of my evening. And you know what? I don't even actually get all that hungry anymore. Spend a week without whatever you want to eat or buy or enjoy. <laughs> Just let, it, let yourself be a little hungry. This is what Jesus says to do. With second test, we have this temptation of flipping the test around. We have to resist this temptation to put God on trial. God is perfect, good, holy, through and through. But we look at the circumstances of life, and I'm hungry. I don't have what I want. Maybe there are some spaces where you can't fulfill it, right? And what do we do? What exactly Jesus, the evil was tempting Jesus to do? Well, something must be wrong with God if he's leaving you like this. We should test God. And Jesus says, no, 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 I, I'm being tested here. It's not about testing God. I'm being tested. Our circumstances almost always drive us, our difficult circumstances almost always drive us to test God, right? What do we say when the circumstances or those who we love can't escape painful, difficult circumstances, maybe that they even bring on themselves? What is the refrain that comes from even people who aren't believers or don't even believe in God say what? Where are you, God? What's wrong with you? Aren't you strong enough? Don't you care enough? We put God on trial. And Jesus says, never. I'm, I'm... I'm the one that needs to be tested here. And we find our way to the third test. Four short verses, Matthew chapter 4, 8 through 11. I'll read these through, and then we'll just pick through them. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it is written... Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended to him. Okay? Uh, four verses, but there is a ton. There is so much going on here. right? First of all, the evil takes him to the, a very high mountain in eastern Mediterranean region where there are no very high mountains. honestly. It's a big hill. It's a big hill. And you know, we can see from on top of that big hill, not much. You can't see all the kingdoms of the world, that's for sure. This is what Matt, Matthew, this is what Jesus is saying. You know what? I was praying, I'm, I'm hungry, I'm in the middle of the wilderness, and uh, this is what I would have said. If I'm talking to you, I would say, imagine that you went up in a, a hot air balloon as high as you could get, and you could see to the ends of the earth, and I want you to imagine all of the, Governments and massive corporations and organizations of this world. That's where evil took him, took him to see. He, he took him to a, a place where he was seeing things that people in that general locality didn't even know existed. He was seeing principalities and powers and, and regimes in China, in Africa. The people of that small world at that particular time, the ends of the earth was the other side of the Mediterranean. Not even. Rome. That was the ends of the earth. <laughs> Jesus looking at the whole planet, and evil says to him, I'll give you all this. All this and all its splendor. Evil, whether you want to recognize this or not, and, and you probably do, has significant influence within the powers and principalities of this world. Significant influence. It's not how Paul puts it, so I'm paraphrasing Ephesians uh, chapter 6. He says, in the end of his letter, he says to this church in Ephesus, be strong. Be strong in the Lord in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can make your stand against the devil's schemes. Paul's been taught well by the apostles. Jesus told this story to the apostles and the apostles told this wilderness story to Paul and said this was a big deal for Jesus. Jesus. He was alone, and he, and he brought this whole story and this whole experience. And we talk about it a lot. Paul, you need to understand this. Paul's like, okay, I'll recommunicate that to the church in Ephesus. Stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, and the powers of this world's darkness. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. How often are we going to come across this word Struggle. Our struggle is not against one another, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this world's darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil. This is your role. This is part of your vocation. This is part of your life. This is the test to stand against the darkness within this world that we can see to the ends of the earth and to battle evil. It's life. It's this part of life. Think about the massive institutions that we have, the international finance banking system that we have, operational hierarchies that exist, global movements and causes. They are inherently susceptible to corruption. They look splendid, but if you look deeper inside of what's going on in any big institution, There are some serious problems. Do some depth of reading about Amazon. We love Amazon. You click and it comes. There are human beings in that space that are being utilized in inhumane ways. (laughs) I forget which massive plant it is. But there are more speeding tickets within a half a mile of that packing plant on the way away from that packing plant than the whole other part of that region, like times two. Like people get in their cars and they can't get away from that place fast enough. Because they went in there and they worked for 12 hours, in many cases alone, just boom, boom, boom. In big organizations, there are always compromises, ethical compromises, financial manipulation, human utilitarianism. You want to rise up in a huge organization, you will be compromising your values and sacrificing your family. (laughs) There's no way around it. The bigger the thing, the more powerful it is The more corrupt it becomes. There's a dynamic called uh, diffusion of responsibilities. You know about this? If there's a a bad thing happening in the street and and you're just the only one there, you're probably gonna engage. The bigger the crowd is, the less likely anyone engages. The more people that are there, responsibility gets diffused. It's shocking to see these kinds of images where something clearly wrong is happening and people are videoing it, watching it. This is what happens in big, massive, powerful places. It happens in small places too. We just need to be careful here. We are allured by the splendor because it is amazing. Like, it is shocking. Jack and I were just talking last week about the logistical system of delivering like, just chicken to every place that serves chicken. Did you ever think about that? I think about these things. I'm, I'm sitting in a line, it's embarrassing to say, like 500 cars waiting to get chicken from Kane's Chicken. And they're just like, poof, poof, poof. there's chicken coming out of there. And it's not that big of a place times however many of those are, times how many Kentucky Fried Chickens, and it's getting there. It's massive. It's like like, almost like if you're logistical or management-oriented, it's kind of beautiful, amazing. Some serious corruption going on inside these big spaces. Just got to be careful. We don't fall into some space of allure for and forget about the fact that evil has been given latitude in this world. It's not his, we'll get to that. But he's been given permission. Don't fall asleep on that. He says, I will give this to you. I don't know if the devil's... Stupid or is just playing here, but it's like it's not his. It's his playground right now, but it's not his. At the end of this whole thing, it's all going to bow back down to the one who created it all. Here's here's Paul again Colossians 1. The Son is the image of the invisible God. In him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, and visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together, so that in everything he, Jesus, might have supremacy, and through him to reconcile all things whether things on the earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. It's his. It was made through him and for him. It has gone off the rails. Satan's been given free reign, but Jesus has come to do some work that's gonna bring it all back into order and under his control as it should be. And he's gonna do it by laying down his life. and satan says i'll give it to you if you lay down your life at my feet you bow down and worship me now this if uh, if if it hasn't been intensely evil up to this point this is utterly demonic this is this is this evil is now Asking Jesus to compromise the very heart of who he is and what he's come to do. It seems to me the other temptations are progressions of a sort, an attempt to get a foot in the door to go at this. Right, the first temptation was, if you do this, Jesus, if you, rather, if you are the son of God, then do this. If you are the Son of God, then do this. And this one is if you do this, I will provide something. If if you do this, Jesus, uh, and you'll, you'll, you know, if you're the Son of God, make this into bread. If you're the Son of God, jump off of this building and let God save you. And he goes from, but if you bow down to me, I'll give you everything. It's no longer, if you are this, it's, I'm gonna tempt you to give up who you are. I'm not sure, there's plenty of debate on this, whether evil knew for sure or not whether he was the son of God. There's a lot of false messiahs. Well, a lot of people that had a lot of power, had a lot of charisma. So he's testing, if you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, and here's, this is my own opinion, just me. I think after two tests, Satan's like, this is the son of God. We got a problem here. So now he switches a tactic. I need to, I need to, now I need to bury this. You bow down to me. This is, we know this is a different deal altogether because Jesus gets... Intensely resistant here. Satan's trying to reduce him. He's trying to realign him. And he says, Away from me. Right, this, 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 evil is trying to get him to sacrifice his identity and his purpose, which is here for mankind. Like Jesus is here for mankind. And the evil is trying to get him to be... Typical of mankind. You, see, you, you keep tempting me to fail the test. That's what you're doing. You're trying to get me to fail, to, you're trying to get me to pursue these lowly aspirations, to, to, to acquire things that rot and burn, to secure my physical life. But that's not why I'm here. Uh, Satan has crossed the line. And what did Jesus do? Get out. We're done. Get away. This It's the Greek. Hypagi! Some emotion here. You remember this happening any other time? Lots of times, actually. This test came a lot. This test to give up, give in. Who he is and what he's here for. The most notable is Matthew 16, right? This confrontation with uh, Peter, which happened as often as he was confronted with evil. He's confronted with Peter. This Peter was all in. And passionate about it. But listen, when Jesus came to the region, this is Matthew 16. When Jesus came to the region of Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Right? This is identity. He's asking, Here we are, we're setting up the same thing. Who is he? Who, who, do, who do people say that I am? Well, some say you're John the Baptist, others say you're Elijah, others say Jeremiah, other prophets, you're just you're a prophet, you're a good teacher. Well, I'm talking to you. I'm asking you, what, what do you think? Who do you say that I am? And Peter's like, I have an answer as usual. You're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Is he right? Yeah, he's right. Like like you and I, he knows the answer. He knows the answer. Does he get it? Does he get it? Does he get what it said about, you're the Messiah. You've told us you're the Messiah. You've proven you're the Messiah. You're the Messiah. I get it. Does he? Does he? And for, let's skip down to verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And then he must be killed. <laughs> Peter takes the Messiah. This is awesome. Jesus is teaching, the Messiah is teaching. Peter's like, hey, come here. Uh, we need to talk. And we need to check your doctrine. Are you reading your Bible, Jesus? Do you read your Bible? You need to read Psalm 2 and Isaiah 11. The, the Messiah comes to usher in peace and vanquish wickedness, to get rid of evil. Messiahs you, you're not going He says, look, you, you never, Lord. You you're not going to This isn't going to happen to you. You're going to die? You're going to die, Messiahs, don't die. They conquer. The dead Messiah is a failed Messiah. That's no Messiah. It's a dead You can't die. And Jesus turns and says to Peter, Hippage, get out of here. But then he addresses Satan. Evil has, has deceived Peter into misunderstanding the identity and purpose of Jesus and Peter is trying to push down that way. Whether Peter knows it or not, he's being influenced by evil because he's now a part of the process of trying to get Jesus to not actually be the Messiah. I love the fact that Jesus in this sense says, but throws in, Opizo. Same word, hapaji, boasting. Get away. In the wilderness, get away from me. Now here dealing with Peter, he says, get away, get behind me. I'm in charge here. Not you. I'm doing more than telling you to get away. Yeah, I'm getting in between you and Peter. Get behind me. I, I, this is different, right? Evil follows Jesus to the end of his days. And he's still here in this world and in the principalities and the powers and the darkness in this world, but he's behind Jesus. He's never escaped that. He's behind him. You get back here. You and I have already dealt with this. I, I, I am no longer threatened by this. This isn't a temptation for me. I've, I've passed this test. I know who I am, and I know why I'm here. You get behind me and get away from my friend. You have no clue. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God. You have human concerns, what Jesus is saying. What would seem to be to Peter, but to evil. Get behind me. You don't have a clue. You think... My kingdom and my purpose is to do what humans have always done, fail the test. That's what you think. You you think I'm going to be like every other human. And what in fact has happened is Jesus has come and he's, he's going to be the king. Why? Because he is perfect human. He is, he is king because he is best at what it really means to be human, to be perfectly what he was created to be. Because what, what is this test about? What is this test about in the wilderness? Remember, he's, we're back in the wilderness. What is this about? It is Jesus' ongoing decision to be loyal to God, the Father, to to have a resolve to not digest, take in, pursue the things of this world, but the things of God. He is intent on becoming utterly human, all that you and I and everyone else has never been able to do. Satan, you you keep tempting me to fail the test and be typical. Instead of being utterly loyal in oneness and connected to the Father, to be the one to reveal the character and the heart of God and to demonstrate what it means to be truly human, which is completely, totally not what evil offered him, from the top of the mountain. It's not about power and splendor. He is the king of an upside down world. The things that naturally appeal to us in this world, the things that, 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 Suggests they can feed the hunger that we have, whatever it is in this world, is radically wrong. It's 180 degrees out. He refuses to pursue those things. He is the king of what we would perceive to be an upside down kingdom. That's how it's been described. The kingdom is an upside down kingdom. I didn't think that's quite right. This is upside down. (laughs) This is right. It honors God. It pursues things that can't be seen. It finds connection and oneness and loyalty and presence of God more real, more meaningful, more human to pursue than what we see. It's not about power and pride. It's about self-giving and self-sacrificial compassion and humility. It's not about gain and splendor. That's not what life is. That's not what it is to be a human. It is to be generous and obscure. It's not about victory by vanquishing enemies. It's it's a vanquishing of evil by loving your enemies and losing what you have rightfully won in this world. That's the upside down. Jesus' vocation, his calling is totally counterintuitive. And so is ours. Ours meaning believers, those that live by faith. You, You are no longer in pursuit of an identity that this world gives you are you are we where there is no test no hunger listen where there where there is no test where there where there is no hunger no loss there is no following of jesus Where there is a maximized life, as we know it, there is a drifting away from Jesus. It's very difficult, I will say, to be safe, rather than it is impossible. It is very difficult to maximize your life and follow Jesus. Jesus used to cut listening crowds in half, or better, just by saying things like that. You have to give up everything to follow me. Okay. Maybe later. Maybe later after I've lost everything. That's easier. How many people start following Christ when they've lost everything? (laughs) And then stop following Christ when they get it back. (laughs) Yeah, that is very hard, if not impossible, to maximize your life. And then, so what happens? He says, Get away from me. Get out. What happens? Was there a struggle? Did like he say, devil said, no, I'm staying. And he just left. Gone. Just gone. He just left. away from me. Okay. Out. I'm out. This is good news right here. Jesus has no problem with evil. None. None whatsoever. It was used in his life here. He uh, leaned into it. struggled through it. But when it's time to get out, he said, get out. It's not a, not a problem. Get out. Okay. Bye out. Evil is entirely circumscribed by Jesus. Evil fails completely. In every, and this is one of the th- things Matthew does this throughout his, his gospel. Everywhere evil is, he wears the face of failure. <laughs> you Can't easily like evil shows up and then he's like uh, he's just he walk away, is defeated every time easily. Does evil still tamper and tempt? Yeah. Read your Bible. Look at your own life. Look at the paper. It still exists. It's actually part of the equation. This is hard to get through our heads. It's part of our role. Remember we read to, to, to come against the evil principalities in the darkness of this world and the evil spiritual things in the heavenly realms. It's part of life. But it doesn't control It doesn't have any power except to tempt Jesus and you and me to walk away from who we are eternally in Christ. Get away! (laughs) He goes, and the angels show up. This is wonderful. And the angels attended to him. It's like that verse in Romans 5. We struggle. The Spirit empowers us to persevere. We grow in character and understanding of who we are and why we're here. And then hope comes. The struggle, the perseverance, the character, and then God shows up. When we follow the pattern of Jesus, when we allow ourselves to go hungry when we pursue nothing out of fear, but only of faith, evil is working to reduce you and redirect hope away from you. That's what's mostly going on. Evil's trying to get you to bow down to something other than God, to put your faith in something other than Christ. So what do you do? Can you extinguish and eliminate evil from your life? No, you cannot. It is embedded in this world. But in reality, it's a, it's a very light wind. So, what can you do? Be a rock. Be firm. What did Paul say all through Romans? Be established in Christ, be steadfast. You want to you wanna vanquish evil? Just remember, first of all, it has no power. It cannot take who you are and it cannot take your purpose. It cannot that is secure in Christ. You can even fail, how about that? You can fail. You can buy into a lie of this world, get eaten alive by it and spit out, and in Christ you will not have lost who you are or what you were intended for. In Christ, you cannot and will not. It's behind him. How do you be a rock? So when the winds of evil flow, which they are always, don't forget this, they are always blowing, reaffirm who you are in Christ. Drop to your knees again every day. I'm yours. I'm protected by you, preserved by you. I'm assured in you. I'm yours. Obey what you know. It's driving me nuts when people say, I'm not really sure what God wants me to do. Yeah, there's a lot of things I'm not sure what God wants me to do, but there are a whole bunch of things I know exactly what God wants me to do. Just do that. Start there. There's some hypothetical situation about whether this is biblical or not. Don't fornicate, (laughs) don't steal. Whatever you know is true, To do that. Obey, obey. You want to be a rock? Reaffirm your identity in Christ. Obey what he's instructed you to do. Direct others back to Christ, right? That's huge for you and for the body, right? We're helping each other be a rock. While we stand, where? On the rock. Serve somebody else and pray. Pray every day. (laughs) What should you Pray. This is going to blow your mind. Just pray what Jesus taught you to pray. Listen to this. Where do you think he wrote this? Our Father, you say, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth, as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Most of us pray one more line at the end of that. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That's in an old manuscript. It wasn't in the newest manuscript, so it's there in some Bibles and not there in other Bibles. Why was it there at one time? Well, we just looked at why it was there at one time. Why would you end the prayer that Jesus either wrote in the desert or wrote thinking about the desert? Why would... Our Christian forefathers tag on and yours is the power and the glory and the kingdom forever and ever. Because it's right in line with what was going on. And it's from their history books. That's from First Chronicles. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. It's all yours. It's not his I'm going to give you 90 seconds to just soak in this. Take take a couple minutes. It'll seem eternally long for somebody. Just close your eyes and try to focus. Maybe you just want to click back through the Lord's prayer. Or maybe you just want to reaffirm that no matter what temptations we've succumb to, what tests you may have failed, that Satan is behind Christ, and when your faith is in him, you are who you are meant to be, and you will be and do all that he intended you to be and do. Maybe you just need to reaffirm that. At the very least, we pray that God would show us where we are tempted and where the test is. We pray that his spirit would show up and strengthen us for the day so that we might enjoy his presence even on this earth. Whatever it is, spend a few minutes. Allow it to penetrate your heart. Just pray.